Just a heads up, in this episode we talk about sex, porn, and you'll hear some language. We also talk about mental health, so if this episode raises anything for you, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Um, hello, I'm Max Arian. I'm a porn performer and sex worker based here in Australia, but I work for some overseas companies as well. I don't like the term porn star myself very much. It feels like an outdated term for what we do, um, but I like performer because it's a little bit neutral as well. And what do you like about your work? I like that I get to meet other people that are similar to me, really sex positive people, people that are in the sex industry and wanting to create fun, sexy, and also like beautiful content. I also like what porn and what sex work and all that kind of things can give people. Like pleasure is part of a universal human experience that people should share in. I think porn is definitely an avenue for that. And my take on it is that I want to provide good porn for people so that they can enjoy themselves. And similar with my general sex work ethic is that I really believe that people are entitled to intimacy and whether or not that's a financial transaction or not, intimacy is still intimacy. So yeah, I think it's a really powerful tool that people can share in. Are there presumptions people have about what it is that you do? Yeah. It is also like how the industry paints itself that it's like one big sexy holiday Even my close friends that I talk to very honestly and openly about what I do are like, oh, but you were just in Mexico and blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I was was in Mexico, but I like, I was there for seven days. I worked for five of them. My two days off, I had a photo shoot. So it's still work. And also just the, the burnout. By the end of a production, I definitely need me time. And that can be anything from the fact that I've met maybe 15 new strangers but I'm essentially an introvert. Doing that for 10 days straight, it's physically demanding and taxing. You're in a different time zone. So often when I come back from a production, I'm a bit spent. I take a few days for myself where I just like tap out, put my phone down. I'm aware of it enough to take some steps to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. But for other performers, that's not always the case. How open are conversations about mental health in the adult industry? I think they're as open as people can make them. I'm pretty transparent. So like if a director or something, if I'm feeling tense or whatever, I let them know on set. For example, like I'm not feeling it today. But I think particularly people in the sex industry and the adult industry are encountering lots of stigma and misunderstanding in the wider world. That definitely compounds what would be normally quite a small thing is like someone maybe not agreeing with you about sex work or about being a porn performer or whatever it is feels momentous. The stigma surrounding sex work and porn socially excludes in multiple ways. But in this episode, we'll be focusing on one. Today, we're talking about the mental health crisis in the online adult industry why performers aren't being listened to, and the online networks addressing the problem. This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Jake Morecambe. Why initially, I think you said about a year ago, you started visiting a psychologist? Mm. For what reason? 
I was just experiencing a lot of stress and upheaval at the time. Um, I was traveling a lot. I was just kind of like at my wits end. Two boys broke out with me, like two weeks apart. Like it was shit. It was just shitty. I look back now and I'm like, oh, you're being so dramatic. But at the time in the eye of that storm, I was like, I can't deal with this alone. And I can't rely on my existing support networks to get me the kind of level of help that a professional can give me. Um, They don't have formal strategies for me to follow. They don't have bits of homework for me to journal about and that kind of thing. I need that kind of structure in my life again for a little while. Max says the conversations he and his psych have are super open. Speaking to her, I wanted to be open from the get-go, so I was. I was open about being a sex worker and doing porn and being polyamorous. So she's really good at picking up on a lot of threads and then getting me to reflect on things. And also like pointing out if things are making me uncomfortable, for example, she'd point out like, well, like you've talked about how this client upset you. And then that seems very similar to this other thing that happened where you persisted with the booking and ultimately you didn't want to, but you did anyway. So like, is this about agency and unpack what I was feeling? But Max realizes not everyone has the same experience. My experiences with services have been wholly positive, but I'm sure that wider trends would dictate otherwise. And there and there has been reports of that, whether it's from medical services or mental health services, that sometimes sex workers aren't getting what they need or want from those services. I have heard some horror stories. I had one performer who told her therapist she worked in adult and the therapist refused to treat her. This is Leah Tennant. I was a performer myself for around eight years in the, um, the fetish side of the industry. Leah says not only can performers be turned away, but mental health professionals will often say the underlying cause of all your problems is your work. So they stop focusing on the root of the problem and like, okay, well, you know, how does that relate to your work? How does this, you know, maybe it's because of your work. And if you were a lawyer, that's not what they would say. Your job doesn't contribute to the chemical imbalance in your mind. Max agrees this is a common and discriminatory trope. You're experiencing these feelings or whatever. You're anxious because you're worried about your safety and your safety is compromised because you're a sex worker. Well, that's a crock. The presumptuous stigma that's placed on porn performers or sex workers at large becomes this constant cycle of like them telling you that you're wrong or that you're in the wrong industry. This one thing is like the root cause of everything when really that's not necessarily ever true. The stigma from that doctor compounds back onto the individual. So then the stigma becomes the root cause, not the actual role they play in the adult industry. Should someone who's in the industry, you know, seek mental health support and they have a negative experience or the person that they're speaking to, it could be a psychologist, is not open to what they do, what sort of message might that send? Oh, definitely not to share and that they're at it alone, which is, it's like anything. It's like when you're having that stressful time or you're having those mental health issues, whether or not it's coming from a psychologist or even a friend, like you're trying to divulge something serious with them. And if they respond in the wrong way, that's going to make you lock down and shut down. Given the stigma surrounding not just sex work, but also mental health, Leah believes it can be twice as difficult for those in the industry to find adequate support. Seeking help is always 
very, very daunting. But I think to, to add on the top of that, the fear of telling your therapist what you do for a living and, and some performers don't. So if you can't open up to your therapist, you, you're never going to get the level of care that you need. Having worked in and still being heavily involved with the adult industry, Leah says not nearly enough is being done to address mental health. Beginning of 2018, I went to Los Angeles for the Expos Awards, which are a really big award show in, in the industry. At the beginning of every award show, they have a, like a little video to remember everyone that passed that year. And there were 18 names 18 people on that on, on that list and most of them were were young you know there was, there was the odd person there that you know had, had reached a timely age and it was you know natural but the majority of them were not I also discovered while on that trip that I think there was six big named performers that had taken their own lives within the space of two months three months some of the lives were lost from, from overdosing and there were some that were, were straight suicides. And for me, I thought that, you know, someone needs to do something about this because it's, it's, a, it's an epidemic. And they were just the people that were mentioned in the, in the media, you know, all the people that hadn't been mentioned in the media who had managed to, to, to take their lives, which is obviously something you can't, um, you can't take back. I think it was, Amber Lynn, who said to Rolling Stone in an interview, we're in a crisis in the adult industry. Do you, do you feel the same? Yes, I agree. I agree. But, the, the, you know, we've been here before. This happened uh, many moons ago. Actually, not that many moons ago, only a few years ago, about 10 years ago, in the, um, on the gay side of the industry. We lost a lot of lives. Um, and it just, you know, everyone gets very upset about it and things start to happen, but nothing big enough. It's like when you take medication and you get better and you think, well, I'm better, I'm going to stop taking my medication now. And actually, you need to keep doing it. It's, it's something that needs, it needs to keep going and keep going. After attending XBiz last year, it became clear to Leah that there's a massive missed opportunity to provide mental health support to performers online. That's when Pineapple Support was born. Why Pineapple. <laughs> Pineapple is the most commonly used safe word in America. After Red and Stop, but they would have been really aggressive names for a mental health charity. <laughs> and why is it the most common safe word? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I think there was um, a comedian used it in a, in a sketch once, and I'm assuming it came from there. And how do you see that tying into pineapple support? Because when you want everything to stop, just say pineapple. Pineapple is an online adult industry support network that connects performers and producers with sex-positive therapists and psychologists. We have an amazing team of therapists, which is just growing rapidly. I think we've got about 25 listed online and another 10 to, to put up there. We currently emailed 400 therapists to see if they'd like to join the team. And we have another 600, 700 that we're going to be emailing, but the responses are coming in so fast, so we need to take a break. I can't keep up with this. So we have pink aware therapists, sex worker positive therapists, LGBTQ community therapists. We've got a wide span of people who specialize in certain areas are fantastic. 
And I think, you know, to, to start off going, well, I know I'm going to see a therapist who knows I'm in sex work because I've applied for therapy through Pineapple Support. That takes a big weight off. As a charity, Pineapple also helps to cover the cost of therapy. So for a lot of performers, I mean, anyone that works um, independently will understand that, um, you know, you, you don't know what your cash flow is going to be like for that month. You know, you could be living on um, bread and water for the month and you certainly can't afford a therapist, but that's the time you're most going to need one. So how exactly do you connect someone to a mental health support worker? Like, what's the actual process of introductions and then holding something like a therapy session? Super simple. Basically, if you are a performer or producer, if you're in the US, you go to pineapplesupport.org. Or if you're in the rest of the world, you go to pineapplesupport.com. Click get therapy. And then there's a form on there. The form takes five minutes to complete. You do need to upload a copy of your ID just so we can make sure you are who you say you are. You need to prove that you have been active in the industry within the last six months for a minimum of six months. We ask you what kind of areas you think you need support in. Obviously, this could well change once you start speaking to a therapist, but it's good to get a, a general idea. And then we match you with a therapist who should be back in touch with you within about two to three days. Do you think this has really only become possible as we've moved into the digital age? Absolutely. I mean, you know, of, of course, anything could be done before the online environment. But this certainly makes things a lot easier to, to reach people, to inform people of, of the services and to provide them because a lot of our therapy is done via Skype or other online uh, video platforms. How many people have you had from the adult industry side reach out to Pineapple? We have supported over 130 performers, which I think is fucking amazing. <laughs> There's a need for this. Yeah, there is a huge need for this. You know, we get therapy requests in almost daily. This is something that's been needed for a long time. It's been so appreciated. I think just even knowing that the service is there is calming and supportive for a lot of people. Because just that feeling of isolation that you have working in the adult industry, that can be all-encompassing. Feeling so alone. You can feel so alone in this industry. And knowing that there is a safety net there for you, I I think brings a lot of comfort to a lot of people. Online support for those in adult exists beyond pineapple support. Paul Byron, a researcher in media and digital cultures at the University of Technology, Sydney, says platforms like Twitter have become hubs for sex-positive support. Globally, I think there are strong sex work networks on Twitter. And what's interesting about Twitter is you get to watch that support take place. What's an example? What do you mean? I guess I'm thinking of when people are speaking to people who have similar experiences. So when sex workers are addressing other sex workers, I can see that, everyone can see that, but we, we can also read that it's not for us but we're listening. So there's this sense of these things are being said to be heard. So they're actually kind of addressing and supporting people within a community, but they're also about giving some sense of visibility to a broader community. So I think that definitely Twitter is is a great space for that. Twitter has been a great tool for Max, not just for himself, but to lift other porn performers and sex workers up. Like on Twitter... I try and be also super positive and like 
helpful of my friends. Like I'm always like reblogging their new scenes and stuff like that. And they're doing that for me. So like, that's the only real way to really help each other in those realms. But Max recognizes at the same time, Twitter opens the floodgates to all sorts of hate. And while he can, for the most part, push all of that aside, what irks him the most is prejudice coming from within the adult community. Particularly in the Twitter world, you'll see very big names talk about how they're not escorts and they never have been an escort and things like that. And Twitter, you're speaking into the void. So why declare that to your 50,000, 100,000 followers? The ways and tones of the language in terms of things like, I've never done this and I never will, that kind of thing speaks to the idea that there's like an invisible hierarchy that um, people engage in. So there's stigma existing within the adult industry for people who work in different sectors of it. definitely, definitely. While the internet gives rise to these damaging opinions, Max believes that sex workers and porn performers alike connecting online through Twitter and networks like Pineapple Support is massively important, as it opens up the dialogue. It sparks conversations about the role porn and sex work can play in people's lives. It starts discussions around mental health and pulls apart the stigma that exists from both within and outside the adult industry. I think a lot of people glorify sex industry stuff to make it valid when it already is valid. I think it's valid in that it pays people's bills or gives them a sexual expression. It doesn't need your validation, your heroic validation to to make the people in the industry valid because what makes them valid is being seen and heard. So you need to shut up and listen. Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology, Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Morecambe. Thanks for your company.